Welcome to another Cheeky Scientist radio show. I am your host, Isaiah Henkel uh, with Cheeky Scientist. Great to have you here. We are talking about how to add value to employers, even when you feel like you don't have any value to add. We have a great show lined up. I'm going to start with a job search hack like we always do, showing you how to turn on your recruiter button on LinkedIn. We're going to go into that now. Then we're going to go to the show me the data section. I'm going to bring on AJ Jacobs, who's a four-time New York Times best-selling author, editor-in-chief at Esquire. He's been on Conan O'Brien. He has organized incredible events for a, a variety of his books. His new book is out called Thanks a Thousand. I'm just moving my coffee cup. I, I, it wasn't on it, but it was blocking it. Thanks a thousand. There it is. We'll be bringing him on. Then we're bringing on Donna Sardula, the world's number one LinkedIn specialist to help you stop being invisible on LinkedIn. So I'm going to share my screen now. And then for our members who are here with us in Zoom, if you could say yes in the chat box to confirm you can see the screen, I would appreciate it. I'm going to move a few things around here so I can see all of you. Looks like you can see it. Thank you very much. Okay. So for those of you watching who don't have your recruiter button turned on yet, this is how you turn it on. Go to your LinkedIn page. You're going to go to your homepage, right, with your news feed. Go to the top. Click on the jobs button. See the jobs button? I circled it in purple to make it easy, even though I don't usually use the color purple. All right, but here you can see it very easily. Underneath jobs, you're going to click on career interests. Okay, career interests. Then it's gonna take you to another page. This is probably why a lot of you haven't found this. And you're probably thinking, why are no recruiters and employers contacting me? Because you haven't turned this button on. If this button's not on, then you're essentially invisible on LinkedIn's other platform that's just for employers. LinkedIn recruiter, LinkedIn talent. Okay, turn this button on, click it on, and then it's gonna give you a variety of questions that you should answer. Okay, remember that when you're searching for a job, the two most important things that you need to clarify are the locations you're interested in, right? At least have one or two locations. You might think, I'm not going to put a location because that's going to limit me. No, if you don't have no, any location information on your profile or on your recruiter button settings here, you're not going to be found at all because the very first thing every employer is going to search for is a loca location. If you're willing to relocate, that's great. Just put willing to relocate. And we're going to talk more about this in our members only section. We're also going to talk about it during a free LinkedIn public training webinar tomorrow. But getting back to your button, turn the button on and then you wanna add a note to recruiters. What are the three things you wanna say in this note? Number one, who are you? What do you want? This includes job titles, location, etc. And then finally, why are you looking for a job and why should they care? Don't just focus on you. Why should an employer recruiter want to hire you? The great thing about this recruiter button is, is that your PI, right? Your academic advisors, your thesis committee, other people at your university, if you're concerned about that, which a lot of PhDs are, unfortunately, they're not going to see that you have this button on. Okay. It doesn't do anything to say that you're looking for a job. So you can turn this on right now without worrying at all. No, no consequences that are negative, all upside. Put in your locations down here too. See this big purple box, put in what kind of positions you're looking for full-time, what kind of company size you're looking for. And you can add individual industries. How have you not turned this on yet? If you're serious about having a job, you have to turn this on. I bet we have some of our members here who haven't even turned this on. Be honest, associates. How many of you haven't turned this on? Good thing you showed up today. All right, so that is our job search hack. We start all of our radio shows with one of these hacks. And that's why you want to show up on time so we can go through them. Now, if you're thinking, wow, I didn't have my recruiter button turned on. What else am I missing on LinkedIn? Why am I invisible? Or if you have less than 500 connections on LinkedIn, 
you really want to show up to our free LinkedIn training webinar tomorrow. Our free LinkedIn training webinar tomorrow. You can go to this link. It's just cheekyscientist.com slash PhD dash LinkedIn dash strategy. Cheekyscientist.com PhD dash LinkedIn dash strategy. We'll make sure that we put this in the post in the comment boxes of wherever you're watching this. So we are gonna get we're gonna go live on YouTube here very, very shortly as well. If you're watching us on Facebook, hello. If you're our members watching us in here, thank you very much. Tomorrow, we are going to answer that question, Demetrios. Demetrios says, what three things go into the note to recruiters box? We're gonna go through that tomorrow. Um, if you're an associate, of course, we already have that for you in your training dashboard and we will tell you about it in the private group. But if you're wondering that yourself and you're watching us publicly, you're not in the association yet, Go to this page, get on our, um, get on, get a free seat to our webinar, optimize your LinkedIn profile for 2019 and increase your LinkedIn contacts to 500 plus. What are you gonna get out of this webinar? It's pretty self-explanatory. You're gonna optimize your LinkedIn, LinkedIn profile, something that's gonna work in the rest of this year and 2019, um, and you're gonna get your contacts above 500. It's crucial. It's like a threshold where it hits. That's what we say, it hits, it means that it, um, completes or uh, uh, optimizes your uh, LinkedIn profile uh, relative to what LinkedIn's algorithm is looking for. And it allows you to stop being invisible on LinkedIn. So you get more than 500 connections. Now you're visible. Now you're going to show up in more search results when recruiters and employers are looking for candidates with your skill sets, with your background. So if you've been invisible, recruiters haven't been contacting you, employers haven't been following up with you, Good news, it's likely just because you're invisible, you can make yourself visible by going to this webinar. Now we've put out a lot of great articles on Cheeky Scientist's blog. If you go to cheekyscientist.com slash blog, you can see our top trending blogs here on the left. This is, has been the top trending blog for, a, for several weeks now. My career took off when I finally ditched my limited academic mindset. This refreshes every week trending. You can see some of our other radio shows that are trending here because after every radio show, we put out a blog article with the highlights of that radio show by video. We put the audio out to it, both on SoundCloud and iTunes. We'd put out timestamps, notes about the author, everything you could want to know about the radio show that you're watching right now. All right. Hello, YouTube. Good to see you. Thank you for joining us on another Cheeky Scientist radio show. Today, we are talking about how to add value to employers, even when you think you don't have value to add. So we're live in multiple locations. I want to say that you should check out this brand new article as well. Your PhD is not enough. Seven articles to increase your business acumen and get hired in industry. So every month we collate set the, the, all the articles that we have around a specific topic. We have seven articles specifically on business acumen. And it's just a great article because it gives you kind of a summary of what all, the, all of those articles say. You can see here as I scroll with it, uh, scroll down through it. And then it will link to each and every one of those articles and give you the main concepts of those articles in a, a little section here. And here's Dr. Cheeks. You click on Dr. Cheeks, you can go to any of the articles. It's an interactive article itself. So definitely check out this article, cheekyscientist.com slash blog. This particular one is your PhD is not enough, seven articles to increase your business acumen and get hired in industry. And if you missed last week's radio show with James Altucher and Philip Kruger, Great radio show. Philip is a writer for Nature, had a lot of great insights on how to get hired, what's going on in academia, what the changes are. And James talked a lot about something very, very important to all of you, getting access to a new network, right? Diversifying your network. 
going from just knowing people in academia to actually having an industry network. If you're watching this, if you're a PhD like I was at the end of my academic career, you probably realize, wow, I don't know anybody in industry. How many industry contacts did you have, Isaiah, in your last year? Goose egg, had zero, okay? This needs to change if you want a job in industry. This is a great, um, it was a great radio show. If you've missed it, check it out. It's called Choosing Yourself in Your Career. It's on our website. So we're gonna move forward now and we're gonna bring on Jeanette McConnell for the show me the data section. I'm gonna have her start her video here. I'll say hi to her and then I will share my screen again. Oh, and I just started, started a video of myself. That's always fun. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna stop sharing here and I'm gonna bring Jeanette on. Hi Jeanette, how are you? Hey, good, how are you? Good to see you. Great bow tie choice. Appreciate, appreciate the effort. Uh, so we have Jeanette on and today's show me the data section, not a big surprise, is going to focus on adding value. It's going to focus on gratefulness, but not in a fluffy way, in a way that actually is practical for your job search. And, and we're also going to talk about a shift, a big shift that's been happening between satisfaction rates of PhDs in academia versus industry. So for those of you listening by audio, I'm going to read this off. I'm going to read the title of the article. It's simply called Satisfaction in Science, and it's a recent Nature article. And the headline is 79% of respondents in industry said that they are somewhat or extremely satisfied with their work-life balance um, in their career compared to only 68% of respondents in academia. So that word only that I just used here, we shared this on LinkedIn and Facebook, et cetera, earlier in the week. And as always, a lot of PhDs, you know, we like to dig in and find the, the little words and stuff that we want clarification on. And the use of the word only 68% uh, was, was brought up for discussion because it's 79%, 68%. Like it might seem like it's similar, not really a big difference, but why is this significant, Jeanette? And then we can go through the, the actual figure. Um, I mean, it's significant because that's actually, I think that's a pretty big difference to think about the fact that nearly 80% of people in industry are like really satisfied with their work-life balance. That's pretty impressive. Yes. And also what the article goes into is that this is recognizing that there's been a bit of a switch um, where used to be that people were more satisfied in academia than they were in industry. Uh, but the trend it's, keeps trending towards the, op the opposite way. Mm. And so this gap is sort of getting bigger, right? You're seeing a, yeah. a change there. No, no, and this is really the first year in the article, they talk about where satisfaction rates were higher in academia for PhDs than in industry. So it's actually switched. And it is, I mean, this is a pretty big difference. It's more than 10%. So now PhDs are more satisfied in industry. And we can tell you, you know, when, when Cheeky Scientist even started, you know, five, six years ago, we would go to seminars and say, okay, how many of you are satisfied here? You want to be professors? It was, you know, eight out of 10. Um, and now when we ask, it's like two out of 10, it's flip-flopped. And we say, how many of you are planning on going into industry? It was like two out of 10 before, and now it's eight out of 10. So it, there really is a shift going on. And, and really what the, the graph associated with this is looking at is it's looking at current salary in academia and industry, and then those satisfaction rates, right? Jeanette, so maybe you can walk us through this figure. Um, it starts with less than 15,000 a year and goes all the way up to 200 plus thousand a year. And I think this is just specifically looking at salaries per those respondents who said they're satisfied or not satisfied, right? Um, yeah, so this is just looking at the salaries of academia versus industry. They didn't break this down based on satisfaction, this graph. It's just comparing the two areas. Right. Um, yeah, and so you can see that 
the bar in the light orange is academia. I don't know why they chose two oranges. Yellow, and maybe. The dark, <laughs> and the dark orange is um, industry. Yes. And then um, the general trend is that as you get towards higher salaries, you're getting more people in industry having those high salaries. Yes. Right? So if you take the two extremes, so like less than $15,000, um, there were, um, let's see, in industry, 10%. there was less than 10% of respondents said that, right? But I mean, the biggest more, one is, yeah. yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. So, I mean, the, the numbers we always talk about is overall the average in academia, you're looking at like 45,000. And then in industry, it's about 90,000. And if you look at these graphs, once you get to like, once you get up to 80,000 to 109,000 per year, it really just drops off in academia, like very few people, but then it starts to increase in industry. Um, so nothing, nothing surprising here, but I think it's important to show that, you know, their, their sample size was across the board. There's people making all different types of salaries. And then of course we see the trend that we expect where people make a lot more money in industry. But I don't yeah, think that exactly. was and you, you mentioned that it was a huge sample population. So there was um, more than 4,000 people with graduate degrees in this survey. So right. that's a huge number. That's a really a large like survey population. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think a, a big point here is that, and a lot of people say this to us, well, PhDs don't just care about money. Exactly. I mean, of course, we see the trend where people make more money in industry. We know that. And we always say you can make good money and do meaningful work, right? They're, neither one's mutually exclusive. The point here is that there was people satisfied across the entire spectrum of salaries, right? So there were people that were satisfied, uh, um, happy with their work, feeling like they were doing meaningful work, grateful for their jobs, no matter what salary they were making, they weren't linked. And I think that is important. So the next figure we wanna to go to, and this is gonna be, uh, we're gonna get increasingly more on point with our theme today. Um, this was, the title of it was Counting Blessings Versus Burdens, an Experimental Investigation of Gratitude and Subjective Well-Being in, day, in Daily Life. And this is from Berkeley, and it's a, it's a fun table with lots of different rows, and we'll break this down a little bit. So there's two tables we're looking at, right, Jeanette? What's the difference between the table on the left and the table on the right? Yeah, so the table on the left looked at the subjective well-being of people in the different categories, so people who were asked to be grateful about stuff and people who weren't. And then the table on the right looks at more concrete measures. So like how refreshed were you? What was your sleep like? Were you in pain? Those mm -hmm. kinds of more concrete measures. And, and what it is, so, so in the table on the left, you know, some of the, the titles here in the table are life as a whole, your upcoming week connected with others, right? And there's a, gra a gratitude column versus a control. Right, and then there's a significance column. And then in the table on the right, it's again, those more practical things like how many hours of sleep did you get? How refreshed? Because some of us feel, let's face it, a little bit more grateful if we've slept eight hours versus two. Uh, you know, uh, how refreshed do you feel? Are you in any pain? Probably gonna feel a little less grateful maybe if you're in pain. Uh, pain interference, exercise, functional status. So did, did the results challenge some of our, I guess, our, our, our thinking about this? Was there any surprises here in terms of when you feel the most grateful um, versus not? Yeah, so actually what this, the study was sort of looking at using gratitude as a way to shift these ideas. So mm. if you practice gratitude, are you more satisfied or do you feel better, right? Yeah. So in the graph on the left, um, they asked the people to rate on a scale, right? Like how, um, you know, what is your well-being for your whole life? What do mm. you feel about the upcoming week? 
and the higher the number, the more, you know, but the better they felt about their lives. Yes. And then you can see the gratitude and the control column. So in gratitude, they were actually asked this sentence that's below the figure, um, right? They were asked, you know, there's many things in our lives, both large and small, that we could be grateful about. Think back over your week and write down some things you are grateful for. And so when people did that, they actually ended up feeling more like satisfied or happier about their lives. And that's reflected in that life as a whole where you see gratitude is 5.54 and the control is just uh, 4.8. Yes. And then the F value over there demonstrates that those two populations are in fact different and there's a P value of the significance. So this is, so this is great. So people were basically asked to think about things they were grateful for, write them down. It was five things to write down. And then people who did that felt better, more satisfied overall with their entire life, their upcoming week, their connection with others than the people who didn't do that. And it was statistically yeah. significant. We have p-values here and everything, right? Exactly. And then for the more practical things, it looks like the trend was there for the first two hours of sleep, how refreshed on waking, but then it kind of shifted a little bit with physical pain and pain um, interference. Yeah, correct. So you didn't, they didn't really see any significant value, like significance in what gratitude could do for those in this particular study for right. those things on the bottom, but they did note that you got more sleep and that your sleep was better, right? You felt more refreshed yes. when you like had this gratitude mentality. Fantastic. And we've seen a lot of studies on this where before bed, if you think about a couple of things you're grateful about, you sleep better, you sleep longer, you get more REM sleep. It's pretty fascinating. And we could go down that rabbit hole, but I want to get to a few other studies here before we bring AJ on. Um, so this next, this next article is coping style as a psychological resource of gr grateful people, right? So you're probably thinking, I'm a PhD. I have a lot to cope with. I'm stressed out. On two radio shows ago, I think it was, there's, you know, more stress than ever for PhDs in academia, more stress than ever for people in general in academia, way higher than the rest of the population, anxiety and depression. Okay, so how do you cope with this? Your school maybe has different coping mechanisms, like some people have, uh, they have these different uh, projects or classes or programs, it can be anything from, you know, meditating to have one of those stress balls. But what about gratitude? Okay, so this is from the Journal of Social and Clinical Psychology. It's a large table here. We have a variety of, of uh, activities on the far left column, use of instrumental social support, use of emotional social support, active coping, behavioral disengagement. This is what I did in grad school, just disengage. Pretend I was somebody, somewhere else. Positive uh, reinterpretation of, and growth, self-blame, did a lot of that too, <laughs> denial planning. And then you have sample one, sample two, right, under this descriptive statistics uh, header. And we're looking at the mean and the standard deviation. And we're going to go through the trends here. Don't worry. I just want to, for those of you listening by audio, I want you to have an somewhat of an understanding of what we're talking about. And then finally, under correlations, we have gratitude of sample one and sample two, and we're looking at uh, statistical significance as well. So what were these two different samples, Jeanette, and then what were they looking at specifically in terms of those, um, those different activities that I mentioned, whether it's active coping or self-blame? Yep. Okay, so the two samples are just like two sort of replicates of this experiment done with different groups of people. Um, and then they looked at how did the gratitude level of these people correlate with how they coped with stress or with difficult situations. Yes. So if the person was grateful, did they use instrumental social support or did they use behavioral disengagement? Mm. Right. So 
how were those two things correlated with one another? And what they found is I put those green and red dots, as you yes. can see that the ones with the green dots um, were correlated with gratefulness and yes. gratitude. Um, whereas when people were not grateful or they had a bit of like a negative outlook on, on things, they were more likely to use these more harmful coping strategies, yes. um, such as, you know, self-blame and denial and just disengaging, which doesn't really get yes. you anywhere. So, yeah. so we were, we, they didn't go as far as causation, but they did they were able to correlate gratefulness with the, the, these different activities. So, you know, the, the first few we talked about use of instrumental social support, use of emotional social support, active coping, right. To, you know, being proactive, these things were correlated to a grateful state, you know, gratitude, gratitude would, would, uh, the grateful people were linked to having these coping strategies, whereas behavioral disengagement was not correlated to gratefulness, self-blame, denial. And you probably know this. If you are blaming yourself, you're not feeling very grateful. But if you can switch that around, and that's what we're going to talk a little bit about yeah. today. If you can switch that around and start to be grateful, even for something small, it can take you down a path on, on a journey that's going to reframe the way you're thinking about things. It will actually help you in terms of not just your mood, but your performance. And I think that's the most exciting thing here. So Jeanette, I think that's all we have time for before we bring AJ on. Thank you very much yeah. for, your, for your time. Please thank Jeanette in the chat box here in the members only section for those of you who get to be on our, our special uh, Zoom chat box. If you're watching us publicly on Facebook or YouTube, please thank Jeanette as well. You can find her on LinkedIn if you want to connect to Jeanette and you can find all of these articles in our post show notes, which we will post um, after the show. I want to bring on our first guest, very special guest, AJ Jacobs. He is a New York Times bestselling author whose titles include Drop Dead Healthy, love that title, The Year of Living Biblically, My Life as an Experiment, The Know-It-All, and It's All Relative, as well as his new book, which I'll show here again, Thanks a Thousand, love the book, jumps right off of the bookshelf, uh, great book, and uh, he is a contributor to NPR, has written for the New York Times, the Washington Post, Entertainment Weekly, he lives in New York City with his wife, Julie, and their children. You can go to ajjacobs.com. I love his website. He's always doing creative things. His articles are fantastic. You can follow him on Twitter at, at ajjacobs as well. And because we're talking about LinkedIn a little bit later, you can find him on LinkedIn. So hopefully this isn't the, the hug of death for you, AJ, but uh, you have a lot of PhDs reaching out and saying hi. I would love it. Great to have you on. How are thank you? you for having me, of course. Uh, and thank you for doing that segment before me. I learned a lot. I love having the numbers to back up the intuition yeah. that gratitude is super helpful. Yeah, we were excited about it because, you know, of course, we, we were able to read your book before and this journey you went on for gratefulness and then to constantly see all of this quantitative data that says, yeah, this is why it works is, is fantastic. Um, so maybe that's a good place to start. So what, why did you want to write a book on, on gratitude? Well, it was partly because I had read all these studies, how important gratitude is to your, to fighting depression, to your sleep, to eating better, uh, all sorts of uh, positive correlations. Yeah. So uh, uh, I thought one way to do it would be to go to the extreme and try to thank everyone I could because the we take so many people for granted in the little things in our life. So I chose a cup of coffee and I said, I'm going to thank every single person who actually makes that coffee possible. And 
if you think about it, that's a lot of people. That is hundreds, <laughs> thousands of people. Because you don't just have the farmer and the barista, though you have to thank them, of course. But, you know, it, it's like six degrees of, uh, mm. of gratitude. You, there's the guy who drove the truck, but he couldn't have driven the truck with the coffee beans without the road. So you got to thank the guy who built the road, the guy who painted the yellow lines on the road so the, the truck didn't veer into traffic. And it just goes on and on. And I loved it because it was revelatory uh, to realize the connections and the, mm. the networks we live in. Yeah, and I think, you know, for those of you who have yet to read uh, AJ's books, and I hope you do soon, he takes a, a great approach. And the first time I saw AJ speak on stage, I, I, this part always stuck out at me. Like most people, they write a book and they go like very deep. And AJ likes to go very broad. And if you've noticed some of his titles, like A Year of Living Biblically, he did try to do everything that was in the Bible. Uh, Drop Dead Healthy, tried to try everything that you could possibly do that has been prescribed to live a healthier life. And so here he went, again, super broad, traveled all over, found everyone he could possibly find related to making this one thing happen. And I, I think it, it's a great way to kind of reframe how you approach, especially for us, most of us here, PhDs who tend to go very narrow and deep, like our very specific <laughs> field. I'm a computational analytical chemist. Like start right. thinking more broadly in terms of these diverse networks. And so what, you know, on that topic, AJ, what, what have you found from writing this book and other books that has changed your perspective in terms of going broad, in terms of the networks of gratefulness? What, what were some of the surprising things that came up? Well, I am a big fan of going broad and interdisciplinary thinking. Um, not that I'm very good at any particular discipline, but uh, I do enjoy, and I think some of the most creative ideas come out of it. Um, and speaking of scientists, Isaac Newton, well-known scientist, his, his theory of gravity was partly inspired by his work with alchemy, which is a total pseudoscience, and it's crazy. But in alchemy, they talk about magical forces working at a distance. And it opened his mind to, you know what, maybe that's something that could be uh, what happens. And that's how he came up with gravity. So even if the other discipline is kind of hooey, <laughs> it open Yeah. And let's be clear. A lot of you are probably thinking that almost every discipline, but yours is hooey. Uh, so, but maybe, <laughs> maybe give it a chance, right? Like I always say, start simple, get a magazine subscription to architecture or to art in general or, or you know business investing any it could be anything it'll just make you make connections in your mind in a in a new way yeah i love that and, and since uh, you know i, I want to be practical as much as i can um you know gratitude and connections are super practical and one mm. study that jumped out at me that uh that you didn't discuss yet i don't think is that um it was by a Harvard researcher and that something as simple as writing a thank you note to the person who interviewed you and being really specific with the praise and, and mentioning what you guys talked about in the interview, that doubled the response. Uh, and it's just one study, and I know to be skeptical, but still, it's, it's such a, I love it because it's such um it suggests that this thing that we, our parents always told us is true, could be scientifically true. It's a simple act of writing a thank you note. And we can 100% back that up. I mean, for those of you listening, you send a thank you note, it, study after study shows X percentage, and it's a large percentage, 50% above uh, increase in your chances of being hired. Right. And I'm actually doing, 
uh, uh, analog notes nowadays. I am, um, as part of promoting this book, I agreed to write a thousand handwritten personalized thank you notes wow. to readers of my books and articles. And the response has been lovely and overwhelming because mm. it's so unusual. It cuts through the clutter to have an actual physical object. Agreed. You know, and so write it, you know, if you're trying to make that decision, do I just write an email to the people I just met on this site visit? You know, you're there for eight hours. Write that physical letter and and the the results they they will pay off. And it doesn't get more practical than that. And I, I wanted to continue down that line because you must have had to do a lot of networking, a lot of cold calling, a lot of follow-up thank you. So what was it like as you went through this journey to find the person who created the paint on the roads? So the person could drive the coffee beans to make your a cup of coffee. I'm sure the networks were amazing, but how did you how did you reach out? Was there any surprises on? Did you get into a? Did you find a process that worked really well in terms of reaching out to these new people? Did you thank them in a certain way after you met with them? Um, any any sort of uh, sure. There. Well, yeah, it was. I tried to thank a thousand people either by email or in, preferably in person or on the phone. And uh, as you can imagine, sometimes it's awkward and people are like, you know, what is this? Is this a pyramid scheme? Uh, what are you selling me? But the majority, if you go in open hearted and, you know, uh, with, with actual genuine gratitude or genuine curiosity, I find curiosity is one of the most mm. powerful networking tools. Like if you are really interested in what they have to say, and uh, then, um, then it worked, and that we, I got so much, so many people who were grateful for my thanks. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, I am an introvert by nature, but I have forced myself to act as if I'm like an actor in my own life, acting <laughs> as if I'm granted, I'm uh, an extrovert, and and it works. I think, mm. and you just gotta realize that rejection, you know, is just such a big part of it. And, mm. you know, when I was, when I was, I never went to grad school, but when I was applying for my first jobs, the rejection rate was just astounding and uh, it was hard to go on, but I, uh, I was able to adopt some uh, delusional optimism and uh, convince myself, you know what, I have something to offer these people. I don't mm. know if I did, but if you frame it that way, then, uh, then that will give you a little motivation. Actually, that's what I was thinking when you were talking uh, about reframing. I mm. love that idea because when I was um, researching this book, uh, I thought a lot about reframing. And one very powerful reframe for, for the business world is to reframe your job as being part of a greater whole that will help the world. Mm. So there's yes. a famous story of JFK, John F. Kennedy, when he went to go visit NASA and uh, this is not apocryphal, it apparently happened. He saw um, a janitor and asked the janitor, what do you do? And the janitor said, Mr. President, I am helping put a man on the moon. Wow. And I love that. And to me, that's that is helpful when mm. you're looking for a job or even before you get a job, because if you can frame it as the work I'm doing, the science I'm doing, it's very important and it's gonna help humanity so I am going to keep working until I get a position. Uh, to me, that's so motivating. I love that. You know, and, and again, you're really, you're just reframing the reason why you're doing something. And we talked a little bit about this yesterday. If, 
if you're just thinking about, I need to get this job to pay bills, it might be true, but it's, you're going to burn out a little bit faster than, and you know, that rejection might hit a little bit harder than if you're like, I'm going through this and facing rejection and putting myself out there in these maybe uncomfortable for a little bit networking and, you know, scenarios so I can get my, my science or my engineering to help the world. Exactly. Um, and I think that's fascinating. And I do that with exercise. I mean, I hate exercising, but the way I reframe it is, you know, I want to be around for my kids' weddings or whatever they decide. Maybe they reject marriage. That's fine. But I want to be around a little longer for them. So exercising for them, to me, is more motivating than exercise. You know, I don't care if I have abs, which I'm never going to get, but I do want to live uh, a little longer. So to yeah. me, again, very powerful. I only want to use a cane, not one of those walkers with uh, controls. <laughs> That's, <scary. laughs> That's an ambition. I like, I like thinking about Fantastic. And again, I, I just, I think what AJ's saying here is amazing. We just talked yesterday about how if we, there was a study on this. It, it was, uh, it, it came out saying that if you are, there's four key reasons for networking. And one of them was career advancement. And it was actually the least motivating of all of them um, in terms of, getting people to network more. What was the most motivating was knowledge, curiosity. That's mm -hmm. why informational interviews, just talking to somebody who has a job that you have and asking questions and being really interested, that will get people to talk to you, increase your network, and it doesn't make you feel like you're trying to do something transactionally because sure. you're just doing knowledge for knowledge's sake, right? Right, and I was just, um, I've become friendly with Tim Ferriss over the years who wrote self-help books like The 4-Hour Workweek, and I was on a show just yesterday, actually. Uh, but he, I asked him how he became so successful because he came, his first book was a bestseller out of the, out of the gate, which is crazy unusual. Yes. And he said his secret was he would go to conferences and approach people with genuine, he would approach people he admired with genuine curiosity and ask them interesting questions about their job and life. Mm. And then he said, Eventually, they got bored of talking to them about themselves, and they would ask him what he was up to, and he would tell them and get them interested. And I thought, wow, that is smart. Fascinating. Yeah. So for all of you listening, that, there's always that time, and we say it a lot when they say, well, enough about me, right? Because they feel guilty. They've been talking the whole time. What about you? You, saw, you hope that happens. It doesn't <laughs> always happen. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> all. Well, thank you, AJ. This was fantastic. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for talking to us here. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful for your new book. And um, I'm grateful to be on your excellent show. So thank you. You're welcome. So check out AJ's book. Thanks a thousand. We will be talking about it for the rest of the show. Please go to ajjacobs.com as well. Connect with them on LinkedIn and you can follow them on Twitter too. Thank you, AJ. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you all. Please thank AJ in the chat box here if you're one of our special members that gets to, to be here with us in Zoom. If you're seeing us publicly on Facebook or YouTube, make sure you check out AJ Jacobs' new book. He has a lot of books. Once you read one of them, you'll want to read all of them. I have. Uh, they're just fascinating. Again, just the idea of going very broad on a topic versus you know, very narrow, especially for us PhDs. It's a new concept. It can really help you start connecting things in new ways. And I love that conversation because it shows that a lot of the things that you know, we've been working with you on to get a job up is applicable everywhere. It is human nature, again, to be curious and to respond to curiosity in kind by you know, asking about you. So if you're thinking that you have to talk a lot, um, puff yourself up, posture, 
act like you know everything, you're doing yourself a disadvantage. Be curious, be thankful, be grateful, follow up. All of these core principles will help you get into the job um, that's right for you. So really, really grateful to have AJ Jacobs on. I think we're going to try to bring on, um, let's, let's bring on our team first. We didn't get a chance to do that at the beginning. And then we're gonna set up our next guest who is uh, Donna Sardula. She is a LinkedIn specialist. She'll be coming on soon. We have a few other things we're likely gonna do in between. I wanna say hi to Mary, our lead producer for the radio show who made this possible. Hi, Mary, how are you? Oh, Isaiah, I, want, I am great. How are you? Good. What'd you think of what AJ said? Awesome. He's so great. I, yeah, I am grateful to have this role because I got to talk to him on soundcheck. Um, so much, so much to learn from him. So much nice. Yeah. Great guy. And lots mm -hmm. of fun too. If, Oh, I didn't mention his Ted talks. Go check out his Ted talks. Every single one of them is hilarious. And it's the big Ted talk. Yeah. And there's going to be one, I believe next week with the release of his book. We should, if you go to his website, you can uh, sign up mm. for that. Fantastic yeah. speaker. Yeah, absolutely. And then I believe we have Lisa on with us too. Hi, Lisa. How are you? Let me unmute you. Hi, y'all. Y'all, you don't even sound like you're Canadian anymore. You sound like Cheney. Well, I was, I was in Louisiana for my PhD, so y'all. Oh, Cheney went to school in Louisiana too. That's yeah, great. I, I heard, I heard. Okay, okay. Jeez, deep south. All right, so great to have you on, Lisa. Lisa is posting all of those links in the chat box and on social media. So say hi to Lisa if you get a chance. Say hi to Mary, too. Mary, what do we have up next? Well, I think we're a little ahead of schedule. So we're waiting for Donna to join us. That's great. And um, so, yeah, I think it's what we can uh, do. our choice. <laughs> what, what would you like to do next? Well, I think we can, uh, I think we can go through one of these LinkedIn profiles, what do you think? Or we can talk about, maybe we can go through, go through Donna's and set, set up Donna being on. Um, I think, you know, one thing that we really want to focus on today is your LinkedIn profiles. Um, for those of you who missed at the beginning, we do have a special LinkedIn webinar tomorrow. I'm going to show that on the screen very, very quickly. Um, for the rest of the show, we're really going to be focusing heavily on LinkedIn in preparation for this webinar tomorrow. Optimize your LinkedIn profile for 2019 and increase your LinkedIn contacts to 500 plus. Um, so there's really two parts here. You want to get your LinkedIn profile optimized for the jobs that you want. What does optimize mean? It means it's aligned with what LinkedIn wants to see with their algorithm. So it shows your profile to more employers when they're searching for anything related to you, your location, the jobs you want, your skills, etc. And then it means leveraging your profile to reach out to other people, leveraging what you know about LinkedIn, LinkedIn's algorithm, staying on the cutting edge of LinkedIn so that you can network more effectively. And that's what we're going to be covering tomorrow in detail on a special webinar that you have to sign up for. Um, it's not going to be streaming anywhere. You got to join us in Zoom. So if you sign up here, you can get on that webinar. So I do think, you know what, these LinkedIn pages are public. I think we can go through one of these LinkedIn pages now, maybe even both. And if you have never been through a LinkedIn review with us, this is something that we do constantly with our Cheeky Scientist Associates. So if you've been struggling, if you don't know where to start in your job search, if you feel like you're alone, go to phdsgethired.com. You can get all of our information and resources about the association, and you can get into a program where you're not going to be paying hundreds of dollars for a LinkedIn review or a resume review. You're going to get as many LinkedIn reviews and help with your networking scripts on LinkedIn as possible. And so the first one up here is Disharee Nath. 
I, I should mention we, we have a third, someone in the chat box, Serene is asking for hers to be reviewed. So if oh, you great. have time. Let's see here, Serene, I'm gonna open yours too. I think we do, this will be good. So I'm gonna show these LinkedIn profiles. You should be able to see my screen here. It's over here now, let me make sure. I might have lost it as I changed. Did it go away? It went away, I didn't it? see part of your screen. Okay, I see it. Let me share one more time here. So if we get time, we will go through yours, Serene, absolutely. Um, we have some of our associates who got their profiles in here uh, earlier too. All our associates. So Satarupa Baduri, this is her LinkedIn profile. I see a lot of great stuff already. Oh, with yeah. The, with the banner, the, the headshot, the headline. What are your, what's your first impression, Mary? Really professional, really clean. Uh, a lot of effort and attention to detail paid and it just, yeah, it looks very professional. Yeah, and I like, um, again, using the headline. Remember, the headline can be anything you want. You can add text there, certainly a picture, maybe symbolic of what you like to do, something that captures uh, the, the reader's attention or makes you stand out more than just LinkedIn's uh, kind of stock photo. Um, also, you know, a professional headshot, good lighting on your face. Make sure you can see your eyes, even if you wear glasses, which um, was done very well here. Yeah. The headline, go ahead. Yeah, um, I was going to say the headline is great. If um, She's looking for a research scientist position. We know that from um, when she asked to have her profile reviewed. Uh, yes. So that's clear the, the types of fields she's interested in and an expert in are shown. Um, I was just going to say that I think I'd like to see transferable skills a bit because we know that that's mm. something that recruiters and sort of people with a different background are going to be looking at so they, so they can relate to, to mm. her better. I would, I would suggest that she add that. Agreed. You know, so again, with the things that are done well, I'd also say, you know, saying you're a fiction fan, something that just sticks out that's not STEM related. You like fiction books. That's great. It's good because most PhDs are, are, are thought to be very logical, nonfiction only. So I, I think it shows well-roundedness. Also make sure that not only the job titles are in there, you know, one or two of the top job titles you want, but also your location. Yes. Again, I, I, I keep saying this because it's so crucial. If you've ever seen LinkedIn talent or recruiter, one of the first fields they type in is the location. Every employer, every recruiter is going to type in the location first with the job title, every single one. And if you have no location information, right, it's, it's going to work to your disadvantage. Now, you have this location in gray, it's, which is usually where you're at currently. You want to put the locations you're most willing to go. Just choose your top one or two dream locations for jobs. You have to put it there. It's actually going to work against you if you don't put any location. If you're willing to relocate, just put willing to relocate. Those magical words with it, you definitely have some space here um, to, in, your, in, your, in your headline to add at least one location. Transferable skills too, right? We, we always put those, those technical skills in there. But what, what's the one thing you really got to be able to do as a research scientist? You know, there is some project management that's required. Um, there certainly is, uh, yeah, project, project management is a big one. There certainly is um, other types of transferable skills that might need to be in there. And they can even be fairly general leadership skills, right? Mm -hmm. It'd be very refreshing to see that on a PhD's profile as yep. an employer. Yep, yep, collaboration, all these go against these stereotypes. <laughs> I think, um, but just to say though, the, the top of the summary, I do see the transferable skills that we were just talking about. So they are there. So good job Satarupa for, for getting those in there. 
Yeah, that's great. And I love, again, we, you know, we talk a lot about how to structure your sentences and your summary, or, you know, which can be very similar to the bullet points um, in your resume, starting with a transferable skill. Again, don't bury the lead. They want to see the transferable skills. They know as a PhD, you have the technical skills that you need, or you can learn them quickly. What they don't know is if you can function well with a team, right? So putting in transferable skills is important written oral communication. Make sure that the transferable skills that are relevant to the job you want. Try to make them as specific as possible. You know, don't do what everybody does. And for some reason, it's trending that the word enthusiastic is like this magic word that's going to help all of us get hired. Don't use enthusiastic. I wouldn't use these general terms. Instead, get very specific. Now, it can be a non, it can be a simple word. Just make sure it's specific. Like time management is a simple transferable skill right? But it's specific. That's okay. Um, enthusiastic is a little bit too general, probably not needed. Also try to use words that they're not seeing over and over again on other people's profiles. And again, we're just trying to take this from a 9.9 a, a .9 out of 10 up to like a 12 out of 10. Um, overall, it's great though. I love that you have your Cheeky Scientist Association badge. You know, your experience I think is organized fairly well. I would maybe tease some of this out a bit. Mary, what do you think? Yeah, I, I like, I was just going to say, I like the job title. It doesn't say grad student. It doesn't say postdoc. It says scientific researcher, and that's exactly what she's looking for. So that's great. Yeah, absolutely. And we've been talking a lot about this too. The, if somebody's skimming your profile, what are they most likely to see in this section? Right? That's relevant to you. Everybody has the experience section, so don't count that. They're most likely to see, okay, what university, you can't really change that in LinkedIn, but then they're going to see this, this title here. The title does not have to be, whoops, I clicked on it. The title does not have to be your academic job title that is not going to show up in the search results on LinkedIn recruiter or LinkedIn talent. It can be a key technical skill or a key transferable skill. You know, I would do the same thing here um, for the University of Calcutta. One, I would use this information to add, you know, even if you just add some transferable skills you gain down here, don't, mm -hmm. don't, don't add something and not, then not add anything that, you achieved or, or any results. Yeah, you need there. more than a job title, exactly. Yep. Yeah. And uh, you don't have to put MS in biochemistry, that can be down here in a bullet point. Instead, you can put, you know, what's one of the key skills you learned at the University of Calcutta? A key skill that's relevant, again, to the jobs you want. You always wanna make it future facing. Don't just talk about what you've done, talk about what you've done that's relevant to where you're going. Future facing, not past facing. And all, have more results. Like I don't, I don't see any numbers here until I get to the very bottom of today. Like I want to see some, some numbers and results in these first few bullet points or dashed points. Education, same thing, you know, just try to make all of this like a work of art, take it very seriously. Like somebody's going to could dig into any section and you want them to see like this person is very professional, understands how to format, very organized for every single section. Try to take it to the next level. Even if you just have to do one section at, at a time, one section a day can certainly get that done in, in five minutes per section. Um, don't waste any space. Education, right? Skills, endorsements. I think this is something that we're going to talk a little bit about today. It looks like you've added some skills and endorsements, although I don't see. Yeah, there's skills, but we need to work on the endorsements. Yep. But the skills that she chose are great. Team leadership, time management, interpersonal communication. That's, that's, that's really important for a research scientist position. And, and it's connected. not, sorry? I said we've connected a few times and I've seen these skills, so I'm gonna endorse the first ones. 
Um, but the good news is it looks like she chose what her skills are and she must have recently chose them, which is why they're fresh on here. So associates, if you're on here, do us a favor, go to Satarupa's uh, LinkedIn page, give her some endorsements if you've interacted with her, certainly for interpersonal communication, if you talk to her, um, time management, if she replied to you, and let's help her out. What about the accomplishments section, Mary? It's very different now, right? We've talked to Donna about this, who will be on with us soon too. Honors and awards, organizations, languages, projects. I love that she's taken the time to fill out so many of these mm -hmm. and multiple, right? Not just one or two. Sometimes we fill in one and we're like, ah, oh, that's good enough. Yeah. But honors and awards, I like that she really went above and beyond here. And the descriptions. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, the, the context in which she got this fellowship, best oral speaker. So where was this? What were the dates? I think that's really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this one jumps out at me because it shows a key transferable skill, no matter what industry position you want. And it's not just specific for STEM. Now, of course, if you read the details, it had to do with a STEM presentation, but show things that you've accomplished that aren't just related to what you've done in academia. Show things that you've accomplished that aren't just related to STEM or science or engineering, right? Your background. Um, talk about things, even if you have to go back into your past that you've done that shows that you're well-rounded, that you've worked with larger companies, et cetera. Interests. Interests are important too. A lot of people don't choose different interests. And the interest you chose, believe it or not, should go in line, uh, should fall in line with the narrative you're trying to tell. If you're trying to get into a pharmaceutical job, yes, have Pfizer, other pharmaceutical companies, right? If you're trying to get a big name company, have other big name companies. Um, have people that those people would respect. Right. Um, and also have people that, hey, recruiters, hiring managers would respect. There's a lot of recruiting groups. There's recruiting big media. We recently got a publication published in recruiter.com. Huge site. Why not follow recruiter.com in your interests? Right. Who's your audience here? Who's one of the first people that's going to see your LinkedIn profile? Any final thoughts to add here, Mary? I was just going to say the, the groups that you follow at the bottom, that's super helpful for, for networking. I mean, that's how you can yes. connect with people. If you have something in common with them, you add that in your, in your connection script. Say, hey, I, I see that you're also in this group. What did you think about this article? I mean, it, that, that's something that you should definitely spend some time working on. Agreed. Yeah. So, I mean, right here, right, if I'm reading Seth Rupa's uh, profile and I see Bill Gates, I'm going to go find a recent article published by Bill Gates online somewhere, or I'm going to find a book and read it and then bring up something related to this per, you know, to Satarupa's interest in this case. AJ just talked about this. He said, look, you want to find things that they're interested in, send follow-up notes, you know, dig in a little bit. It takes a little bit of work, but find things to be curious about that they are interested in things that are going to get them talking and not just have you talk, right? So that they reach that magic moment of saying, well, enough about me. What about you? So I think this was a great overview. Um, thank you very much, Satarupa, for allowing us to look at your profile. We got, us, we got everybody here primed to, for our next guest, who is Donna Sardula, who is the world's number one LinkedIn makeover specialist. We're going to bring her on very soon. I'm going to do an introduction of her. I'm going to change my screen to show her bio. And then we're going to bring Donna Sardula on live. Please thank Mary. We're going to have Mary come back very shortly, um, shortly after the interview. Let me make sure my screen's being shared here. 
All right, here we go. We're going to bring Mary back on to go through a couple more LinkedIn profiles after we go through um, what's important with Donna. So very excited to bring on Donna Serdula again. Donna loves LinkedIn, lots of enthusiasm. Hi, Donna. I'll, share, I'll show you full screen here in a second, but I want, to, I want to give you your due here. So Donna loves LinkedIn. She's the author of the popular book, LinkedIn Makeover, Professional Secrets to a Powerful LinkedIn Profile, and a new, the new book, Just LinkedIn for Dummies. Is that right? That's the title. I think I can remember that one. That's right. Uh, and then we have, uh, back in 2009, she decided to break free from corporate America and set out on her own path. She started Vision Board Media with the goal to help businesses and individuals leverage the internet in their quest to market themselves. She is the world's number one LinkedIn profile optimization, optimization, and I would even say networking expert. She founded LinkedIn Makeover, where she helps individuals from around the world brand themselves successfully. Make sure you go to LinkedIn uh, and look up Donna Serdula. You'll find her easily because she's a master of LinkedIn and connect with her there. I'll show her profile very quickly here. Notice all of the goodies on here and the videos and the medias. Uh, media, we'll have time to talk about that later. But welcome, Donna. How are you? I'm great, Isaiah. How are you? I'm good. And that's your book in the background that you were pointing to, right? Yeah, there it is. There it is. That was its LinkedIn did I say it right? Profile optimization for LinkedIn dummies. Profile optimization for dummies. That's right. Yes, Mr. Joel Elad wrote LinkedIn for dummies. I wish I wish that was my oh, calling card. Um, but I did the profile <laughs> optimization, and I just did the. Uh, I was the technical editor on LinkedIn Sales Navigator for that's dummies. Right. Right. Well, congratulations. Uh, it's good. It's great to see your. Uh, your network expand broadly, like we talked with uh, AJ about, and uh, we are grateful to have you here with us. Um, I think you've you I think you hold the record. It's like <laughs> SNL, right? Like I think John Goodman or somebody holds the record for the most time hosting. You have the record for Cheeky Scientist Radio for being on with us as the guest more hey, than anybody else. I I love my PhDs. That's all I can say. <laughs> Well, thank you. And, and we know we've had hundreds and hundreds and thousands at this point of, of PhDs get access, you know, to your materials and your templates. And it's just revolutionized their job search because now they stop being invisible on LinkedIn and, yeah. and they're visible. Um, so I wanted to talk about a few different things and maybe we could start, I guess, a, more broadly first and mm -hmm. talk just about getting noticed on LinkedIn. I know that there's little things and tagging tricks and stuff that change frequently. And then there's kind of those core principles of increasing activity. What can you tell us? What's up to date now? What's working on LinkedIn in terms of just getting noticed? Yeah. No, you know, I got to tell you at one time, you just needed a good looking profile and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those were the days, my friend, but they're, they're long gone. You've got to splash around. LinkedIn is this like ginormous ocean. And, and if you want to get noticed, you, you've got to splash around. And what does that mean? That means you've got to like, you've got to comment, you've got to share, and you've got to post. You've got to use LinkedIn as that social networking site. Mm. And so that's going to be really, really, really important. And I always say, you know, a lot of us get overwhelmed at the thought of being that cre the creator of content. It's yeah. scary. Mm. So don't be the creator of content out of the gate because it is hard. Mm. Instead, be the curator of content, of good content. And so what that means is work at just gathering good stuff together. And you can do that simply from using your phone, logging in and just going through your news, your, your LinkedIn feed and seeing what other people are talking about and liking, commenting and sharing on that material. Once you get good with that, 
uh, start putting out some Google alerts, finding things that are going on in your industry, have, have Google send that information to you. And what you think is interesting and good, share that. And you don't have to be the creator of the content. You just need to be that curator and people will still see that you're the one that came up with it. And uh, there's some credibility to that. Yeah, and I think uh, especially as PhDs, we overthink it a bit. We're like, I have to write a peer-reviewed journal article <laughs> on LinkedIn to be taken seriously and we, we make it too big. I do this all the time. But you're just saying, if I like some people's posts, if I comment, like you could be the only person to comment. This person's gonna recognize somebody actually, yeah. actually commenting on their post, actually caring, right? Yeah, and then to share it, oh my goodness, you are then promoting them to your network, that's huge. And then if you wanna take that extra little bit of step, just find some interesting links to articles mm. and, and post that with a little, with maybe a little blurb that says why you find, found it interesting. You know, maybe po like find a really interesting quote and using, use that quote as the, as the context. Simple mm. things like that yeah. are great. And then, here, here's, here's the biggie now. All right, guys, pen and paper. This is this, I'm gonna come up with some gold right now. <laughs> so you start doing this little by little. You're gonna start seeing that people are reacting. People mm. start to interact. Now, what most people do is they just accept it as awesome and they don't do anything, but you guys are gonna do something different. You are going to have, maybe maybe it's a notebook, maybe it's analog like this, or maybe it's, digital maybe it's your ever, like an evernote journal mm. and everyone who starts to comment on your posts mm. people who start to share you, you grab their name and you put put it into a list then then once you do start to create some interesting content or when you really want to get something going you now have a list of people that you can tag into your posts these are people who have already shown interest in you in the past and by tagging them, do we know what tagging is? I hope we maybe do. You should break it down. I think we know every social media is a little bit different. So what, but LinkedIn's fairly recent, right? So yeah, what, this how, do, is how do we tag? Recent. So if we want to tag, so when you go into LinkedIn and you're, you create a post, you hit the plus sign when you're on your phone or you just go to the very top and say, you know, what's on your mind. You click up in there, that, that, that top area within LinkedIn on the desktop. When you start to type, you can hit the at symbol and then you start to type in the person's name. Hmm. And as you start to type in a person's name, LinkedIn is going to try to figure out who do you mean? Who is this person? They're going to give you a list of all the people within your network who match that name. You click that person's name that you meant, maybe Isaiah, maybe me. <laughs> and by doing that, what you're doing is you're creating a dynamic link. You're hmm. notifying that person, hey, I've just mentioned you in a post, you should come over and check it out. Hmm. And that brings, that drives traffic. So yeah. it's a really great way to get noticed, to splash around in a very strategic fashion. Yeah, and I think what a lot of PhDs have a hard time with, and I had a hard time with this too, is like, okay, I'm gonna like somebody's LinkedIn profile comment. How's that gonna get me hired? But what I want you to know is we have seen people get hired this way where you track it all the way back and it started with just pinging them, which means just liking just a certain touch point, commenting on one post, that started a conversation, there was some follow-up, and it led to a referral or a job, right? That's, it, it all starts somewhere, and it's just, it's so easy. How many people's posts could you like in five minutes a day or comment on in five minutes a day? Probably dozens. And, you know, and if you think about it that way, it's, it's, 
it is kind of weird to just go up to a person and say, hey, want to be my friend? Hey, give me a job. We know that doesn't work. Right. But, but there's a buildup. And what we're talking about, this is that little drip feed, drip feed marketing mm. that takes us to a bigger relationship. It's these little tiny things that, that mm. really do, they add up into something huge. Yeah, and believe it or not, if you haven't realized this yet, you are marketing yourself in a job search. So you have to go out there and think about things and like, okay, how many people can I add value to today, right? We're talking about adding value to people, potential employers, employees that you could have informational interviews with. This is such a simple way. Can you like their post? Once you get comfortable liking, can you comment on their post? Could you then move that to an actual conversation? Because like Donna said, you're keeping track of who you're talking to. We call that in your job search strategy spreadsheet. We need a shorter name still, but you put the list there and then you follow up with everybody um, afterwards. This is where it all starts. So Donna, I want to move on to another topic that we're seeing that seems that's kind of topical, which is the, the asterisk next to different job posts, meaning that, yeah. that it's only on LinkedIn. So what is this about and why, why does it matter to job seekers? Well, it's, it's good to know that, that that person, that business, they're not going all over the internet collecting resumes. They're saying, hey, I'm, we're invested in LinkedIn and we're going to collect the resumes. We're going to find candidates hmm. here. And that means a smaller pool or it shouldn't yes. mean a smaller pool. And if it's a smaller pool, they're looking for someone more qualified. They are looking for more qualified candidates. So they're not, they're not drowning in yes. that sea of resumes. And let's go back to what we were just talking about. You know, this is another way of standing out. It's another way of, of saying, hey, these, these businesses don't wanna spend their days just searching for someone, right. <laughs> they want, they, they make it easier for them, for them to see you, for them to notice you. And simply sometimes by just noticing that's enough to differentiate you from that slew of other candidates. Yeah. And if you zoom out a bit more, what does this mean for LinkedIn? Obviously part of their strategy is to get employers to work exclusively with them, right? Which means it's going to be even more important to get on LinkedIn. Um, and to do all of the things we're talking about, build up activity, because it's not going anywhere. We always talk about how Microsoft owns LinkedIn and there is a large push to integrate LinkedIn more with companies around the world. This is part of that push. Yeah, and I mean, think about it this way. Like you go to Monster, you go to Career Builder, you go to these other platforms. All it is is a resume of that candidate. But when you're on LinkedIn, it's more than just that resume. It's that profile, it's their network, it's recommendations. It's, it's the groups they belong to. It's, it's their postings, their interests. You get such a much a clearer vision of that person than you do yeah. on any of those other job, you know, job seeking sites. I think in probably five to 10 years, Max, resumes are gonna be gone because even if you go to an other job site, Nature Jobs or Indeed, whatever, the, what's on the top of everybody's resume now on the top right is a LinkedIn profile, especially for like PhD level jobs. And yeah. moving forward, it's going to be instead of upload your resume, it's going to be put in your LinkedIn URL, especially with Microsoft at the helm. I, and if they go, if that happens, if that happens, I do hope this is, this will be my big wish list because this is one of my big issues is I don't feel that your LinkedIn profile is your resume. And the reason is it's public and anyone can see it. And you don't want to put every single accomplishment out there because it can hurt your current company. It could hurt, you know, previous positions. Um, so if they do go in that route, if they go down that route, they have to make 
the profile, they have to create one that's more privacy, more guarded, more, you know, close. Maybe like a, yeah, maybe like a employer view versus a, a everybody a, and their brother view. <laughs> and I, I think it's, I mean, it's only a matter of time. I'm mean, like, even when we get resumes, I'm like, okay, what's your LinkedIn URL? Because <laughs> there's so much more information you can get. Like you, now you just want to see their profile. They're connected, like you said, it's just, it's the way it is. And you, you brought up references. What, yeah. Why are these so important now? And and LinkedIn's really pushing for this. I saw a new pop-up just mm -hmm. the last few weeks where even for an endorsement, it's asking for more information about why you're endorsing them, right? It's saying like, how do you know they have this skill? And there's more of an importance on references. Do you see this trend continuing? And if so, why, how, how to prepare? You know, I've, I've always said that between endorsements and recommendations, recommendations mean more. They're more powerful. They're more impactful. Now, I will say this. If you have no recommendations on your profile, I don't believe that you're going to be totally passed over. I, 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 I don't believe that's going to happen. But recommendations are a plus. And if you have no recommendations, try to get one and you can do it please guys you can do it and and to me the easiest way to get a recommendation is to simply ask ask someone don't just hope that the good recommendation fairy is going to fly by your computer and just give you one it doesn't work that way um you have to ask but even more so you have to give them the wording tell the person what you want them to write and if you don't know what they should write how dare you even expect them to do it? Yeah. If you can't do it, they're never going to do it. So you've, you've got to write that recommendation for them or at least give them some bullets to follow. But yeah. why is it so important? It's the same reason it's always been important, which is with a recommendation, it leads back to that person's profile. You can see where they sit within an organization. You can see who they are. You can see what, you know, what kind of individual they are. So in some ways, it's even less it's less what they say and more about who they are and where they sit within an organization. Mm. And that is huge because in the old days, you could give a, you know, a list of, you know, your, your, your aunts, your uncles, your cousins, yes. and they wouldn't really know. But within the recommend, within the LinkedIn world, those recommendations really do mean something. And, and I think everyone should have at least three current, I was just looking at a, a profile this morning, in fact, and he had a um, he had one recommendation from 2009, and um, the person who wrote it misspelled the word client. Oh, yeah, and, and people make those snap decisions decisions when they're skimming a profile. It's an employer, right? They're actually just looking for a reason to move on to the next one, and I think it's important to think that okay, just because somebody else submitted this doesn't free you from the responsibility of making sure that it's correct. And I, I really like what you said about write your own recommendation, make it easy for somebody. You know, you can phrase the ask appropriately where you're not telling them to post it, but just say, here's some, here's a, a template you could use to edit. Yeah. And I, I always say, I know you're busy. And so I've taken the liberty of writing this recommendation for you. Please feel free to edit or change accordingly. Mm. Exactly. And so, uh, again, lots of great stuff here. The last question I always want to ask Donna is what else is fresh and new out there for LinkedIn, especially when it comes to moving from your profiles optimized to now getting attention on your profile? Yeah. So I've got, an, I've got something I've never talked to you guys about before. This is exciting stuff. And it goes Ready. really well with this idea of gratitude. 
And that is, I hope you guys haven't already talked about this, but it's the kudos. Do you, have you have you guys seen yeah, kudos? No, we yeah, used it. not much. All right, so if you go onto LinkedIn and you can do this on your phone or you can do it on the desktop, but you go in. Shall, shall I share my screen? Would it be yeah, easy if sure. I if I show people how this works? Because I know, sure. like, I don't think very I think very few people have ever used this. So I'm going to share my screen if I can figure out how to do it here. I think it's the bottom center. It should be yep. an up arrow. There we go. Share. All right, so tell me when you guys can see my screen. I can see it, looks All great. Right. So right up here, it says share an article, photo, video, or idea. If you click there, do you see this little, oh, wow. this little thing? No one, no one ever touches it. No one does anything with it, but it's there. We click on it and it says, who shall we send this kudos to? I'm oh, going to write in Isaiah. There he is. Great Isaiah. idea. All right, and then I'm gonna hit next. And then I could say, thank you, Isaiah. Or I could say, no, going above and beyond. Oh, it's like a little picture. Could, uh, oh. Yeah, they have a little, I'm gonna say making an impact because honestly, we all know that this is what Isaiah does. He makes an impact. So we're gonna hit next. And look, it puts it up there with the hashtag kudos, making an impact. And I could say, thank you, Isaiah for making such a difference. What a great idea. Yeah, I didn't even know this existed. So many. This is why we bring Donna on. People's lives. I think I need a live. This is, it's a picture of somebody uh, writing a piece of paper trash, so that's perfect. It's a crumpled baseball. <laughs> oh, okay, got it. And now here's the thing. We can also put in a few more, and, and I, don't know, I don't know if you guys have talked about this or not, but... No. I find that if you use those hashtags that LinkedIn recommends, it's, it's a good thing. It's always a good thing. When they recommend it, go with it. Even if it's a little off, you're going to find that they, mm. they, they use their own little hocus pocus to, wow. to um, Figure out. Get, get more visibility to the post. And so I'm going to hit post now. And it's gonna go out there. Isaiah, you will get a notification. Wow this other people are going to see it and so if how about if you guys do this let's do this let's see if we can get some some energy here visit my go to my my profile yeah we can Once put that link in my the profile what i want you guys to do is then go down to my recent activities see that post and i want everyone who's watching this to like that post and let's see if we can get this to go crazy that's great. I, yeah, we didn't even know that existed. What a great, great insight. Please thank Donna for that insight. That's fantastic. We definitely have not covered that here. And I think you can link to the actual post. So I'll grab that link from our team on the page. I don't know if it, I think it goes under see all activity. Let me see if it shows up here. It should be under posts here. Oh, wait. Why it's important somewhere. Did you see it? Oh, back to posts. There we go. Sometimes it takes a little bit to we uh, found it. Did we find there it is? There it is. We got five likes already. Yeah, that's pretty good. Here, I'll put it in the chat box and then it'll make share it. Easy. Share it, like it, comment on it, guys. Let's get let's get this uh, this post all over the place. You can just say, yeah, uh, Isaiah was slightly impactful. It was really Donna doing it. <laughs> but uh, this is great, Donna. Thank you so much. What a great insight. I think Mary, did you say there was a question in the chat box that we could close with? You caught me going to like that post. Um, yes, we have a couple of questions from the chat box. They're actually going back to the recommendations. 
Um, some of the people were asking how recent the recommendations should be. Can they be from former employers? I guess what they're getting at is, is who can you ask and, and, and when? I know you said they should be posted recently, but what does that mean? Can you just give us a little bit of... Think, think of it as like a rolling three. <laughs> so have three within the last two years, mm. year and a half, two years. And then if you have other ones from the far past, if they're still, you know, if they're still relatively, um, um, you know, there's, there's some credence to them, there's credibility to them, they're not too far out in terms of what you're doing, you can keep them in there. But there's, there's also nothing wrong with getting rid of some of those older ones that have nothing to do with what you're doing today. Um, but absolutely, I mean, I think it's always a good idea when you're looking at a person's trajectory and you can see the different roles that they were in and they had nice testimonials throughout that's that's a beautiful thing yeah okay Fantastic. great thank yeah thank you I, I think that's important too right you want to make them relevant to the jobs you want it's current as possible i mean think about it as when you're going to search for the best reference possible on pubmed for an, a journal article you're writing same thing you want you know you, what are you looking for you're looking for current but also relevant and makes sense um uh for that particular profile so relevant both to the job you want and to your your profile so Donna, fantastic. I'm going to use that kudos thing a lot now. Um, really, really appreciate you sharing all of the information. Thanks for being on with us again. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Please thank Donna in the chat box. If you are watching Donna on one of our public pages right now, live streaming, make sure you go to her LinkedIn profile. Obviously, the best place to find Donna. Go to LinkedIn.com. Um, it's slash IN, which they all have, then slash to Donna. You can, of course, just search Donna Sardula. You'll see her um, when you do that search. She'll come right up to the top. The company is LinkedIn Makeover, and we'll put that link in the chat box, LinkedInMakeover.com. Check out her book, uh, LinkedIn Optimization for Dummies. So, yeah, it's LinkedIn-Makeover.com, LinkedIn-Makeover.com, and then LinkedIn uh, optimization or dummies that will take you to it. The full name is LinkedIn profile optimization. So we'll put that link in the chat box too. I'll show you on the screen here, just so you know the, what I'm talking about. I want you to see the book cover up close because this is a great, great book. Again, LinkedIn profile optimization right here. Check that out. Fantastic book. Really grateful to have her on. Okay. Associates, it's just us. I see a lot of you in the, the Facebook group over here. I'm going to say hi to Lita and Aaron. Hello. And Paul, good to see you on. And Kit, good to see you on too. Adwait, good to see you on. Aaron, Rosa, good to see you on. Thank you for joining. Remember, you can come over here, here, here to the Zoom uh, chat box and interact with us live. I see a lot of you still here. Thank you, Agne. Thank you, AJ and Anna and Camille and Daria. And Aaron and Eric and Francisco and Gallon, good to see you on. Hugo, Hoda, Gulshan, hello, Isabel, Jennifer, good to see you on. Kareen, good to see you on too. Mara, Natalie, Prabhat, good to see you on as well. Rebecca, Solomon, I'll try to say as many as I can. Suparna, good to see you on. Tamara, Mino, Yamina. Okay, so for this members only section, we're going to do a couple more resume, I'm sorry, uh, LinkedIn reviews, but I thought I would go through the transitions first. What do you think, Mary? Yes, let's do it. All right, so I'm gonna pull up the transitions here. I wanna make sure you can see my screen. One second. Lots of transitions again. 
to congratulate. There we go. If you can see the transitions, not yet. No? All right, I might have moved it from the. It's a really nice picture of a mountain. stock picture. Here we go. This should work. How's that? We did it. Okay, so lots of congrats again. Lots of jobs still happening. We're going to see jobs pick up, I think, especially in November. We talked about departments. They have budgets left over. They have to spend those budgets so they can get the same budget or bigger next year. What does that mean? They can use that budget on hiring talent. So that's uh, why we want you to keep leaning into your job search. I know sometimes you can think, well, I'm just going to take the holidays off from my job search. It's the worst thing you can do. Do the opposite of what everybody else does. Lean into your job search during the holidays. All right, and this is something that we've already seen these six people do. So Oreneta, congratulations on your job as a medical science liaison. We keep seeing more and more people getting hired as MSLs. Youssef Ali, congratulations, Director of Strategy and Communication. A promotion for Youssef, his second job, well done. Leslie McKelvey, Protocol Specialist 2, congratulations. Paul. Congratulations on your melting technology engineer. I love this title. It just makes me think that you're taking like a flamethrower to a bunch of computers or something, but we obviously know what it means. Um, Sumant Grover, congratulations on your sales position. All of the transition stories are phenomenal. Um, you have to read these transition stories. They're in the group, transition or promotion stories. Uh, Zenobia, medical writer one, congratulations too. Big thank you to Vinogini. Thank you for all the value you added to the association. Uh, Vinogini is our Cheeky of the Week. For always supporting fellow Cheekies with incredible positivity and bring, bringing such enthusiasm, enthusiasm words everywhere, see I told you, into the group. Thank you very much though for, for adding value. We really, really appreciate it. And our first, our very first moderator of the month, we are celebrating our moderators because they add so much value to the group. We carefully select moderators People who have transitioned successfully have added a ton of value back and are able to help you in your job search because they're in industry now, they're seeing things that are working for them, and they're sharing that value at a high level and consistently. Bryant Moeller has done an incredible job of doing this. Just because he wants to pay it forward, he wants to give value and help you get hired, please do me a favor and send Bryant a message on this post in the Facebook group or a private message just telling him thank you because he's doing it just because again he wants to give back. We see this happen to a lot of associates. They get hired like let's get other PhDs hired because our goal our goal is to get as many PhDs hired and into top level management positions as, as possible. We're still seeing just over 2% of CEOs have PhDs. We want to get that to 51% and we can do that together and it's people like Bryant and you that make it happen. So. Congratulations, Bryant, first ever moderator of the month. Okay, Mary, are you ready for more LinkedIn profile reviews? I am ready, I'm always ready. And for those of you watching, listening, I don't want you to be passive here. I want you to ask questions, okay? I want you to think in terms of your LinkedIn profile. I don't want you to even think like, hey, maybe I could have them look at my LinkedIn profile next. We actually got a number of requests today on the show. I think <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to do a lot of them. Yeah, yep. we, we'll take them. We definitely want to get through uh, Dishery um, before we're done here. What I love about this is something I've been talking about, and it's really close to my heart. A lot of you have heard. Putting text inside that banner, right? And I love this. This is like a personal brand, right? Creativity is intelligence having fun. I don't know if she created this or adapted it, but great tagline. Shows that she's well-rounded, has personality. 
shows a double helix. I was just talking about double helix today, about how, like I learned about a double helix when I was, I don't know, like high school, and like kids today are learning about it in like the first grade. And uh, it's funny to see it on here, but I think it's, it's great. It's something that anybody, any recruiter, any employer, with no STEM background, can say, oh yeah, that's, that's scientific, right? And then also, in the top right, it's like, I don't know, dancing, I gotta figure out what exactly it is. It's obviously a dancer because that's in her headline too, but. Yeah, it relates to her, that's her brand. Fantastic, yeah. I, I really just like it. It looks like you made this yourself, so um, well done. Well done, what do you think, Mary? Yeah, it's excellent, um, and it and it does. I, I had a chance to talk to Dishery recently, and this yeah, this persona is definitely clear when you speak with her as well. So I think it's very consistent. It's good. Yeah, well done, well done. And yeah. the the headshot is great too. Good yes. lighting, smile, very professional. Uh, mm -hmm. I like the headline overall. I mean, I think I love that you're using scientist right instead of like your specific niche because a lot of positions are just scientists. And that's what they're going to search for, scientists. So well done. Um, you have some uh, transferable skills there as well. You have dancer, choreographer there as well. And you even put in your locations. The only thing I would add is Boston will come up. DC is one of those tricky ones because some people might search D period C period, yeah. right? Or Washington. I mean, I think you're going to be okay. If I was searching Washington DC, I want to say that there's like the lazy part of me that would just do DC. But then there's also like the neurotic PhD part of me that would say, like, you got to go back in that period. So it could be either way, but I think it's good overall. Great work. Or yeah, or Washington, I think. Yeah, yeah if I can just jump in. So I, I think there's room to, it could be because of space that she limited it to DC, but I see communicator and medical communication there. So I think maybe she could tighten that up mm. and make space to, mm. to add Washington. Agreed. Um, you know, for the summaries, there's always a little bit more flexibility on a professional summary and LinkedIn profile than for your resume. And one thing you can do is tell a little bit more of a narrative at the top, which I think is fine. But I do want to see quantified results. And you want to cover both bases. Just like, and we always say this, there's always the quantitative side to data or a, a strategy or a plan, and there's the qualitative side of a metric or a measure, or whatever. You know, so. You have the qualitative piece here, telling a story of who you are, et cetera, that's gonna to appeal to a certain type of person, but you're gonna get some people that are like, okay, well, where are the numbers? What have you achieved, right? And so I, that's the only thing that I, that I would add here. I love everything else. Yeah, I think if I could be a little bit more critical, I see PhD three times, mm -hmm. and I know that that's, I mean, it's obviously important and, and relevant, but PhD candidate, PhD, so I think if you're trying to present yourself as an industry professional, maybe limit the use of academic terms, have that once, um, and, and try and make it look more like an industry professional. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll rephrase even a different way. Make it future-focused, not past-focused. PhD is great. You don't want to hide that at all. What we're saying here is, what's the job title you want? What are the job titles you want? You, know, you want to say, okay, you've done this, you got your PhD, but what's it relevant for? What are the positions? I don't see any job titles here. I don't see any uh, locations here, right? So you wanna reiterate things throughout your profile. So whatever's in your headline, reiterate those same keywords in your profile. You need to have them at least two, three times your main keywords throughout your entire profile because it's gonna give you more juice, so to speak, in terms of showing up in search results. That's how LinkedIn's algorithm works. It works on, just like Google, works on the qualitative side again, like 
Okay, it's not just looking for the number of times you used a keyword, it's looking for how you use that keyword. Is that keyword relevant and fit into the context of everything else? But it's also just looking for pure numbers, like, okay, is the keyword used once on this profile versus three times on this profile? And they have, you know, again, you can't game the quantitative side. You can sandbox yourself, which means if you try to just stuff the same keyword 15 times on a page, I always have to say that because as PhDs we take things literally, don't just put scientist, 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 like they will block you altogether from showing up in search results. So we can't, we can't trick the system there, that's not, a, that's not a quality hack. Okay, experience, I do like that there are, you know, there's a, a couple of bullet points here for the first one. There is an academic job title though, I don't know, what do you yep. think, Mary? Yeah, I, I noticed the academic job title, title right away. I also did notice some um, quantifiable results, though. So I think, so she's got them. She needs to get them a bit more in the summary. Um, and then, yes, graduate student, um, that could be replaced with, you know, scientist and some transferable skills, as we say. Uh, medical or I think, yeah, medical communications is her, one of her um, job titles of interest, so that could be added in there, science communication, something but like that. I do want to say great job on the results. Like you did have quantified results here, which is good. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna nitpick, cause we're always trying to take it from like, you know, again, a 9.9 .9 to a 12, three bullet points, right? People like to see things in threes or fives, really build these out. Like think about the work experience section on your resume. You wanna build these out. Same with, same with down here. And you don't wanna focus on the academic stuff. You have graduate student, what is, just like Mary said, what is the, the transferable skill or the technical skill here? Same with University of South Carolina. Like this is just, this is, in a sense, it's wasted space. You're just saying university. You're not saying any of the skills that you've gained there. Um, I know that you put the different job titles below, but what do you, what do you want to lead with? Don't bury the lead. What's important to somebody who doesn't place a large value on academia? I just want to point out, and this is an example of what's going to happen when someone looks at the profile. If you go to the graduate student um, research uh, work experience section, there is an option to sit, click see more. You had asked about three bullets. Mm. Oh, um, there so is. Good it, yeah. So there's like you, 10 more. Yeah. So there is information there. And I mean, you can plan the spacing, play around with the spacing so that see more is, is maybe a little bit more obvious. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great teaching point because I it was totally oblivious to it. The Seymour here is not in blue. I think some of the top ones are in blue. Here it's a bit harder to see. It's in gray. Um, so you might want to, you know, shorten one of these, the top, and show a third bullet point with like a dot, dot, dot. What I like to do too to make the Seymour a little bit more uh, visible is I'll add a couple of dashes and then the right-facing arrow to show people there's an arrow to pointing to the Seymour. Um, that's a little a little trick that I learned that really does make more people click see more. Um, and we, we've tracked that on other platforms. So use a little arrow, make them know that there's more content down there, a great point. I would build these sections off uh, out a bit more and just keep thinking of the story you want to tell. Sometimes as PhDs, we're like, well, I just need to get all of my experience down for completeness sake. You can leave stuff out. You can make, you know, you can not worry about chronological order, worry about relevancy instead, especially on your LinkedIn profile. Think of the story you want to tell. Like if I read this, it's like, well, the story I'm seeing is nothing but academic experience. Um, kind of all over the place, part-time jobs. I don't really like this, like why are you highlighting part-time? I would not highlight part-time, like it just means that you're like a part-time worker. I don't like that, it's a red flag. Trainee, why are you highlighting you're a trainee instead of a skill that you learned or what you did? Like again, we think we're super critical of ourselves and we think we have to downplay everything that we've done. 
don't highlight you're a trainee. Don't highlight you did part-time work. Like, put in the skills you've gained or the title that's relevant. The, you know, don't bury the most important lead. You're trying to sell yourself, not downplay yourself. And that's good news for you because it means you can make some tweaks here and tell a, a great story. Find the theme, too. What it, what's the key transferable and technical skill you need to get the jobs you want? And then weave that throughout your experience section. Make it look like, like all you've done is everything relevant to what they need. I mean, and she has teaching experience. That's communication, right? So th yes. this is going to be easy to do. Some small adjustments, and it's going to make a big impact. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we didn't get to talk about it before, but I wanted to jump to the volunteer experience because this is huge. Yep. People get, again, very passionate and emotional about their volunteer experiences, their own, as well as others, because it shows what you're really interested in. Like, what do you do out of pure purpose and passion, not for money? That's the volunteer experience. So I love that you've added these sections. You've really built them out. This is fantastic. Um, and there's a theme, secretary, right? I would maybe, you could maybe add a little bit to that because we know that the titles are very basic for a lot of these chair organizations, right? It's like secretary, treasurer, et cetera. That's great. But maybe you could say secretary of XYZ instead, right? Because uh, it'll, it'll help explain that it's part of a board, like secretary and board member. Because usually when you're the secretary, you're on the board that requires the secretary, the treasurer, and the vice president, yep. the president, etc. Yeah, exactly. Co-director, love this too, right? I think that's great. And again, it's these are things that are not just STEM-based. It's about community organizing, different types of transferable skills, communication that can be important. So I love that you've done your volunteer yeah. section, really thought hard about that. Well done. I love that you built that your PhD too. A lot of people just put PhD. Just some extra space here. You never know what they're going to dig into. Maybe, the, maybe they really want to know what you've done as a PhD. Maybe previously they were only evaluating master's candidates for whatever reason, right? You never know. So just use the space that you have. Because um, on your LinkedIn profile, you don't have to keep it short like your resume. Like if they keep going back, it might be the one thing that makes them make a decision to call you first over somebody else. It might be the one thing that LinkedIn keys in on because it's an extra place where you use the keyword to make you show up at the top in the search results. Yeah, just uh, there was a comment in the chat box. I don't know if you saw this. Karine wrote that since updating her volunteer experience, she has a lot more connection requests from people working in that area where she was volunteering. So people do notice and they do find you. So uh, definitely, if you have volunteer experience, spend as much time on that as the work experience section. Um, it's really valuable. Accomplishments, we talked about a bit earlier, so I want to go down to interests. You know, again, I think it's very valuable to put the industry companies you want to work for. I would actually, look, if you want to have like one university in your interest, that's fine, but I would really limit the universities. Like if you're an employer and you see 10 universities in their interests, what are you going to think? Academic. But if you see, which was done well here, like uh, not just academic organizations, not just universities, but you see a company like Bristol Myers Squibb, that's great. However, I would have a variety because what if the person wants to hire you, their biggest competitor is Bristol Myers Squibb? And now you just rub them the wrong way just a little bit. But if you have a bunch of companies, they'd be like, okay, it's just one of many companies. Just get into the mindset of somebody looking at it, somebody who's looking for something, just they're looking for a reason to go on to the next candidate, right? That's a good way to approach it from the, from the beginning, but also, if they do happen to dig into something, what else are they going to find? Yeah. And, and to get into the mindset of these people, um, do some networking, have some informational interviews. You know, we've been talking about this a lot in the private group. 
um, the value of doing that. So, uh, you know, in your LinkedIn profile, you don't have to wait till it's perfect. You should be updating it regularly anyway with the insights you get from the informational interviews, tips you get from us, from all over. Absolutely. Yeah. And very last thing I'll say, and this is something good to close on, if I open up see more here, I see that your interest is the addictive brain. And it's like this quirky interest with a nice image. This is something that I would pull up to the top because it's fun and you want to have show fun, show well-roundedness in what you do, right? It's a conversation starter. Like if I was looking at this, the first question and I followed up with you and I had your LinkedIn profile open, I'd be like, what is the addictive brain? That's obviously going to jump out at people more than just company logos. I was hoping you were going to open it because I'd like to know. <laughs> yeah, what is the addictive brain? you got to tell us if you're watching this video. Perfect. Okay. Well, that's all the time we have for LinkedIn profiles today. I know that we do want to announce a winner, a swag winner. Mary, do we have one? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Karine Pozo, thank you so much for all the value you've been adding in the chat box, all the questions and comments. Karine, have you, you haven't won one yet? Congratulations. Karine's in multiple programs here at the association. I know she's in the Scientist MBA too. Always adds so much value. So I'm excited for you to get this, this journal and this swag package. They used to be called swag bombs, but I got in trouble for saying I want to mail a swag bomb to university. So uh, we call them swag packages or fun bags or whatever. But uh, yeah, this this is the swag that we send out. Um, swag bag. That's what it was. Swag bag. Remember your value as a PhD. We have some new stuff we're coming out with. We actually got some t-shirts finally. For those of you who transition internationally, I know you guys have been like, where's my stuff? We've had trouble shipping internationally, but we got we found a way to be able to ship t-shirts that have Remember Your Value as a PhD, so we're very excited for that. All right, so that's it. Thank you, Mary, for your time. Please thank Mary for all of her time okay. and help going through LinkedIn profiles and making sure that I don't miss things. And I thank all of our team, too. Thanks, everybody that joined. I really appreciate all of you who stay late.